are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from one the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. And if you guys missed it, I actually had the first Locked On Pistons room this weekend on Saturday. We're going to try to do it every Saturday sometime, midday. Um, it depends. Uh, I know Duncan Smith, like I've told you guys many times, he does a Pistons room at like 2 p.m., uh, if he doesn't end up running one of those shows and he like cancels it, I'll be going at 2 p.m. like I did last Saturday. But if not, we'll be going right after him whenever that room ends. So make sure you guys check out Locker Room on Saturday for the Locked on Pistons room. But per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me on Twitter at Kuka Hill NBA. You can find me over on YouTube at Coos Ballroom. You can find me over at Detroit Bad Boys writing articles about the Pistons. And like I tell you guys at the beginning of every episode, I was a credential media member for the 2019-2020 season. So that kind of makes me a big deal. But today, on our first day on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only with it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. And you may be wondering, Koo, why did you read that at the beginning of this episode right after the opening sponsor? And it's because our first topic is going to be centered around something that's been going on in the playoffs recently. It's obviously something I think many Pistons fans are familiar with. Uh, it has to do with the fans and the way they've been acting with these professional athletes. And we'll get into that a little bit more in just a second. But also throughout the episode, we're going to talk about why I believe that Detroit could possibly become a decent, if not a pretty decent, a pretty good free agent destination in the near future. And then also, if the Pistons do draft Evan Mobley, if he falls to them or they get number two pick, number three pick, whatever, and somehow get Evan Mobley, what happens next? Because I think there's a lot of questions to, or not questions, but there's a couple interesting pathways that we can talk about that would end up open itself if they did draft Mobley. I don't think people, or many, many people I should say, are talking about. But like I said, we're going to talk about some of these things that are happening with fans and these playoff teams to open up this podcast. And I kind of mentioned this already. You guys know this. You guys know about this all too well. If you're a Pistons fan, you should know all about this. Do we really even need to bring up the brawl at the Palace? The fans throwing popcorn and a drink on Ron Artest. Ron Artest going up into the stands, fighting a fan, then coming down to the court, fighting another fan in the court. So I think going back to then, I'm sure some, I'm sure it happened a little bit before then. But like I've mentioned many times, I'm young, and that's probably the first experience or first memory I have, and going as far as back as I could of like that kind of thing happening with fan and professional athlete. Those altercations happening. So. Like I said, I think that Detroit fans are just real familiar with that. I think they have a good grasp on that. And growing up, when I grew up with all my boys and where I grew up, um, and being into basketball like I've been my whole life, being a basketball player, and being born in Detroit, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I know there's a few people who probably not like this. Uh, I know I've already said this around a few people in locker room, and they didn't like hearing this. I know the older demographic probably is going to be the more of the people that dislike hearing this. But growing up, I, it was something that you, we would brag about. 
with that whole brawl at the palace. Like me and my friends, all of all of us that were from Detroit, born in Detroit, grew up in Metro Detroit around here, who fans of the Pistons, whatever. It was something we would brag about. Like, could it kind of took on the persona of Detroit? Like, you don't mess with us. Uh, we're gonna fight back. Like, you don't come to Detroit. It's kind of like that whole thing with like I don't know if you guys know that song by Eminem, like Welcome to Detroit City. It kind of takes on that whole thing. Like, when you come to Detroit, this is a different beast. Like, we will knock you out. We will, like, we'll mess you up. Whether it's the professional athletes or if you mess with us fans, we ain't scared of nothing. And this is what we're about here. We, we ain't scared of nobody. So it was like one of those things we'd brag about. Like, hey, if, if you come to Detroit as a professional athlete, you got to worry about the players and you got to worry about us because we ain't we ain't about that. We, we different over here. Like, that was the kind of thing we used to brag about. It was just a cool little thing. Like, I don't know. I know there's a lot of people of the older demographic that probably won't like hearing that. They, they think it was like a disgrace to the, to, to the game, whatever. But for us younger people, I think a lot of people I've came into contact with think that was like a, a, a fun, not fun, I take that back, not fun, but like something to brag about with your team that that's what we're about, that's what this city's about, we fight anybody, don't come here and mess with us. Like it was just something we would do. So going moving forward with that, while I felt like that, for that situation and what happened at the at the palace, uh, what's going on right now in the playoffs has to stop. This this whole thing is like getting out of pocket. First off, we got the whole little Celtics fans apparently saying racist comments to people. Uh, you got Marcus Smart and Tristan Thompson saying they they've heard it from their own fans before. Uh, then you also got the Utah Jazz, which is just the, the Utah Jazz comments the, from the fans was really out of pocket the most man like it's just it's it's really bad like being being a mixed person I, I've dealt with comments about being half Arabic before with like the terrorist stuff then I also have dealt with the comments for my black side uh you guys know the 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 words that are said to to some black people it's it's not nice and it's it's been it's obviously awful so I, like when when those kind of things come out and we hear them saying those like typical things, it's like, yeah, this is just messed up, bro. Kick that guy out. It is what it is. But the one I heard about the fan that said to John Morant's dad about, what was the quote? I, I put a, a coin in, or a nickel in your back and make you dance. Bro, That that's, we got to stop. That, that dude, I know, I saw that he apologized out there and apparently John Morant's dad was like all cool with him afterwards, accepted the apology and actually bought them drinks or something. So it was cool that John Morant's dad was able to, you know, be forgiving, I guess. But that this whole thing has to stop. This is getting way out of pocket. It's 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 too far. And then just tonight, when I'm recording this, it's the 30th, and this is the game. This is uh, I believe game three or game four for Brooklyn versus Boston. And apparently Kyrie just had a water bottle thrown on him as he was walking into the tunnel. My, mind you, just a few days ago we had a fan dump popcorn on the Russell Westbrook, and it's it's. I don't know, man. There's nothing really else for me to say than to say it's just out of pocket and it's got to stop. Like, I, the reason why I'm talking about it on the Pistons podcast is because, like I said, we're familiar with it. We've seen this. One of the biggest moments, I think, in all sports. I think every a fan of every sport knows about the brawl at the Palace. So I feel like Pistons fans are very familiar with this kind of thing and can have an opinion on this thing uh, because it happened right in front of us. One of the biggest events ever involving this kind of thing. So, but it, 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 it sucks because... Some of the things that people are talking about doing to fix it involve having like putting uh keeping fans away from the tunnel or like putting something up over the tunnel to where fans can't really interact with players at that point. And that that would suck because when I was credentialed, I had I saw a bunch of people walk through the tunnel when they walk past the tunnel, they they throw stuff up at the fans, they give fans high fives, they sign little things with like if fans were hanging something over the tunnel, they'd sign it. 
they, they would interact with fans. It was a cool experience for And I don't think I ever saw, in my time of, of being credentialed that season, I don't think I ever saw anything out of pocket happen with fans. And I really want to believe that it's not... Like it's like a one percent of the fan base that that acts like this. I think every fan base has it, of course, but I, I want to believe it's just like one percent of these fan bases that act like this. But it, it's not nothing to brag about. This is not like I, I know I said that we would brag about this growing up, like oh you don't mess with Detroit. This is what we'll do, blah blah. But this is not one of those things. This is this is not one of those things you want to brag about. This is not one of the things that make your fan base look cool. It's not one of those things that should be taken very lightly. It's just it, it's got to stop. Like, I understand the Boston Celtics fans are, like, they have very many reasons to hate Kyrie. If you want to chant stuff at him, you want to try to get in his, get in his head, you want to chant all kinds, you want to say, listen, listen, I, this is how I feel about it, man. If you want to say mean stuff to him, say whatever mean stuff you want. Like, you can say something mean to him. You want to say something, even borderline, like, I would, I, I'm completely fine with people even walking straight up to the line of being disrespectful. But if you start crossing the line into racist, physicality, altercations, throwing stuff, uh, throwing objects. That's, that's, it's too far. It's got to stop. Like the, the Knicks fans when they were chanting F.U. Trey Young, that's fine. I've seen Pistons fans when I was credentialed, uh, they, they were chanting all kinds of mean things at the fan, uh, at the players. I remember, uh, I don't remember what team it was, but I remember a dude walking down the tunnel at halftime and fans were screaming at him, hey, you suck, or hey, you're trash. I saw like some fans like chanting what he had scored so far, or they'd say, hey, uh, this person, like someone on the other team, like if, if um, Blake was having a good game, or if Derek was having a good game, D-Rose, they'd be like, hey, D-Rose owns you, Bob. Like they'd say all kinds of out-of-pocket stuff. But I never once heard like racist stuff, and that, that kind of thing just has to stop. That's not nothing to brag about, it's just, that's dead. We gotta cut it out. So, whatever. At, at the beginning of every episode, for the next few weeks, we'll be doing the, the road to the finals. And we'll be, I'll be talking about something from the playoffs that we had seen recently or just something I want to talk about. And we'll mention all that each day at the beginning of every episode probably. So, that's the thing I wanted to talk about today. It says, fans, you got to take it easy. I'm all for you guys get heckling players, like I said. But the, the racist remarks, especially, I just want, I just want to say it again. Especially the comment that was made to John Morant's dad, bro. Like, I'm surprised John Morant's dad didn't turn around and sock him in the mouth. That's just, it's, it's, it's out of pocket. It's awful. And I'm of the opinion, honestly, at this point, that I understand Boston has it a lot too. But Utah fans, there's been too much going on with y'all over there in Utah. And if, if Utah can't get their act together and it keeps happening, I don't care. I'd be all fine with Utah just losing their team. Like, players shouldn't have to be objective to that kind of thing. Like, that, that's just... It's awful, but anyways, later on in the episode, we are going to talk about what would happen if the Pistons drafted Evan Mobley, what kind of questions would that create for the team, and then also talk about why I believe the Pistons could become a, a pretty decent free agent destination in the near future, but before we get to that, let me tell you about a few of our sponsors. First up, Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is the help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview, all on Indeed. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed's Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, reduces hiring time by 27%. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Again, go to Indeed.com slash locked for a $75 credit valid through 
June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. And then let me tell you guys about your guys' favorite sponsor, Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar on the planet Earth comes with a variety of flavors, including six new flavors and caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All flavors are covered in incredible tasting chocolate and are soft and easy on the teeth to chew. These bars are low in calorie and sugar, but high in protein and fiber. A flavor I'd suggest is the peanut butter flavor. Packed with 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. So go try the Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. So, like I said, we're going to talk about why I believe the Pistons honestly could become a pretty decent free agent destination. And... I think this all started with, when I first started thinking about this was a few weeks ago, and I, I think we kind of mentioned it a little bit on the podcast, uh, I tweeted out basically something about how small markets are being screwed or something about me being worried about small markets and how it could affect the Pistons. And someone responded to me with, Detroit is not a small market, man, stop calling them that. And then I sat back and thought about it. And I was like, is, is Detroit a small market? Should they be considered a small market? And then eventually I went and looked up, Team or cities that have four sports teams. How many cities in the United States of all the four major sports uh, leagues have a, have have a team in each sport? And Detroit is one of them. Detroit also has like a rich history too, with like Motor City, obviously, and the auto industry, and like I, I don't think Detroit lacks much of anything that. I, and more side thing, but I just don't think Detroit really lacks much of anything that these huge markets really have, outside the fact that. We just don't have the greatest weather, I guess. But I now, me personally, I like the four seasons. I love experiencing all four seasons. I think it's dope. The only thing that I don't like about Michigan's weather is like when, like last week, all of a sudden it snowed. Like that bipolar stuff, cut it out, Michigan. You got you got chill out. We can't we can't be like not getting snow at all during w- winter, and then all of a sudden in late May, all of a sudden we get like some snow. Like, what's up with that? That's 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 out of pocket. I have no problem with experiencing the snow in the winter. When it's winter time, we get some snow. That's cool. When it's summertime, we get summer. You know, get all four seasons. But when it snows out of pocket in just like random months that have that aren't even close to winter, that's when we got a problem. That's my only issue. But basically, anyways, back to the topic. The only thing Detroit I think lacks is like the weather, like I said. But outside of that, I, I think they have plenty of other things that that draw people to Detroit. And I started to think about it. Why do people, why is Detroit considered such a bad free agent destination? What is it about Detroit that actually makes people think it's a bad free agent destination? Like, it's always been believed. Like, growing up, when people would say, like, no one's going to come to Detroit, like, I'd always just believe it. Like, I'd be like, yeah, ain't no one signing Detroit. But I never really, like, thought about it. Like, what is it about Detroit that, that makes people think it's such a bad free agent destination? Is it just the weather? And I, then I also started to think about the Pistons and what they got going on. And I think that they can actually become a pretty good free agent destination in the near future. And the reasons why was pointed out by Jeremy Grant, and I talked about this on Locker Room Saturday, it pointed out by Jeremy Grant for why he signed here. And I think this is a big point that people have to understand. I think this is a major point that like goes in Detroit's favor. Um, the NBA is majority black players. They are majority African-American players, okay? And Detroit is a majority black city that has a lot of black history here. Like, with, once again, with music, uh, it's, it, Detroit is a black city. 
and it's at its core, it's a black city. So not only would do you have that connection, they also have a black GM, which is rare in professional sports. Maybe not as much in NBA, but it, especially in the NFL. And the Lions also just have a black have a black GM now, which is extremely cool to see. But how how rare is it to see a team that has that is giving the opportunity to a black GM and a black head coach? Detroit is being represented by Dwayne Casey, who is a black man, and Troy Reaver, who is a black man, in a black city. And like Jeremy Grant pointed that out, that's a big thing for him for why he signed here. He's more than just a basketball player, like he pointed out. And these players in the NBA are more than just NBA players. They they they're not just people who go like they're not going to take the 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 saying of just shut up and dribble. Like that's not what they're going to do. And I feel like Detroit is a great spot. For people to feel, I, I don't know, connected. I, I really think that everyone, if you haven't already, should go read James Edwards from the Effect piece on Jeremy Grant. Why all, he interviewed him and said why Jeremy Grant signed here. It, it was really great to see and should give you a great perspective into a black basketball player, a black professional athlete, and what Detroit and what they have going on right here could actually. What it not only is it just great to do and great to have because, like I said, it's rare to see a black GM and a black head coach. It's even more rare, like I said, for the Lions and the NFL to have a black GM. The Lions have one now, so it's not that I. I want to make this clear. It's not that the, the team should be forced to have black uh, a black GM or a black head coach. It's like they shouldn't be forced to have a white head coach or another minority coach. But it is extra cool that if you you actually give these guys these black player or GMs and head coaches chances when they deserve them, and we've I know we've seen all of us are aware of the lack of opportunity that's given to black people in in sports at in the front office and at the head coaching opportunities, and especially when they do deserve it, which Troy Reaver and Dwayne Casey both do, when a team like Detroit gives both of them that opportunity, I think I think it says a lot to players, especially players of a league that's majority black. So you combine all that that I've talked about so far, and you combine that with the fact that the Pistons may actually start winning soon. I think that obviously plays a big role as well, being able to win, being able to prove that you can put a winning product on the floor. I think Troy Reaver is proving that he knows what he's doing. And Troy Reaver also has taken up this this role of being a player's GM. Like he's supposed to be someone that players relate to, someone players can have trust in, someone players can like to be around, someone that they can just talk to. Like, that's his whole thing. He's supposed to be a player's GM. That's his whole thing. And I think that also will attract players. And like I said, with the winning. And then another part that I think people really downplay, and then we can get move on to the Evan Mobley topic. But I think a part that people really downplay because of the Pistons' last 12 years, um, Detroit, the Detroit Pistons have a rich history. This is one of the best franchises in the NBA. Like, this is not the damn... Charlotte Hornets or the damn Minnesota Timberwolves or something. This is not like that's not who the Pistons are. The Pistons have three champions up there. Championships. They have three championship banners hanging up in the in their arena. Okay? They they have Hall of Famers. One of the, like at each position. They have Hall of Famers, okay? So this is not just like some poverty franchise. They've been bad for twelve years, yes. And they gotta turn that around, which it looks like they are. But if you combine Everything I said about what the cultural impact and what that means to the person of the player, not just the player on the court, but the, the person of him. And then also, if you can turn, prove that you can start winning. And then also, just the history here. I think the Pistons have all three going for them. And if Troy Weaver can indeed prove that this team is capable of winning and he's capable of building a team, 
I, I really don't see why Detroit, outside of their weather, legit, I need someone, if you're listening to this and you know other things that will stop, that makes Detroit just unattractive, what outside the weather is unattractive about Detroit that just scares players away? I just named many reasons and bullet points for why I believe Detroit actually would become attractive to players. I, I, I really don't know anything outside the weather. So if you know something and you have an opinion on that and you think there's other things that scare people away, go ahead and tweet me that at NBA. But I really don't think there's anything outside of the weather that stops that should stop players from coming to Detroit if they build a winner, obviously. Winning, is I think, is the biggest point, obviously. You have to prove you can win. But if they do that, I, I think Detroit's pretty attractive. And I, I think Troy Reaver could... In the future, I think we could see him start to pull some pretty decent free agents. Now, not like LeBron James or something. I don't think they'll ever get tier one superstars to come to Detroit. But like Jeremy Grant, players like Jeremy Grant or like, I don't know, like a Julius Randle -like type. Like, I'm not saying that the Pistons are going to Julius Randle. But like someone like that who hits free agency, they can get those like, not the tier one, but the higher ups of the tier twos. And that, that could create a really good team doing that. So I, I, I don't know. I think the next few years you'll see that start to happen, especially when the salary cap or they have some room with their cap cap space. So, I don't know. Tell me what you guys think about that. Tweet me over at NBA once again, and let me know what you guys think. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Evan Mobley. If the Pistons do draft him, what will the Pistons do about some potential questions that will come up if they draft him? But before we get into that, let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Line AG. Betting is now legal in Michigan, and if you're anything like me, and you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there was one problem I constantly ran into. There's just so many different apps to bet through. Which betting app is the best to use? Which one is the best for me? That's when I found Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season might be over, but the NBA and MLB are still in full swing. If you want to take your adventures beyond sports, however, Bet Online has you covered there too. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, things I didn't even know you could bet on. Bet Online has real time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. Bet Online is the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head over to Ben Online now to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and make sure to use promo code LOCKED ON. Again, make sure to use promo code LOCKED ON. Ben Online, your online sportsbook experts. Evan Mobley. So, Evan Mobley is one of the top five prospects in this draft, obviously, and the Pistons have the number two pick. They can only fall as far to sixth. Now, I, I think every Pistons fan, their hope is. If they do fall, they just don't drop outside the top five because, like I said, top five is where the best prospects are. It really takes a massive drop-off, apparently, from what I've read. And the Pistons just hope they can get in the top five, basically. However, if they get in a position where Evan Mobley is available, they are going to likely draft him, I believe. So what will drafting Evan Mobley, what kind of questions will raise if they do draft Evan Mobley? I don't think many Pistons fans have really talked about this or really realized this. Now, I've been the main one saying that none of these questions should stop them from drafting Evan Mobley. Let me, let me be very clear about that. I've been very clear that the Pistons should just draft the best prospect, prospect. Wow, I can't speak today. The best prospect available. But that doesn't mean questions will come if they draft a power forward or center, which is what Evan Mobley is. So let me talk about what the good fits, based off what I've read, would be if they drafted Evan Mobley. I think that one of the best things about drafting Evan Mobley that would help him is that he's not strong enough to really play center right now. Uh, he will down the line, but as of right now, I don't think he's going to be ready to play center, which is fine because they can play him next to Isaiah Stewart, who is capable of being down low, which I believe is his best position five. I know there's a few people saying, oh, let's play Stewart four. I, I don't believe in that. I don't think Isaiah Stewart is a four. He's a five. And he can do all the physical banging down low things that Evan Mobley probably won't be able to do out the gate. So I think them two will be a good pairing right there. 
However, like I said, there's a ton of questions I think that come up. So first of all, I think we all have witnessed and believe, just like Dwayne Casey believe, and probably Troy Weaver believe, Jeremy Grant's best position is at the four. So if you draft Evan Mobley, you figure that he is going to be your starting four. And if he's not your starting four, you're going to assume that he's going to be your backup four. I think he's probably, I think anybody they draft in his top five should probably start out the gate. So he's going to be your starting four. So that means you move Jeremy Grant back down to the three where he's just not, uh, that's not his natural best position apparently. And then if you move him down to the three, what about Sadiq Bey? Sadiq Bey, I guess, is capable of playing the two guard, but I think we've all seen that he's best at the three. I know he played two guard a little bit this past season, but never like, it, it wasn't like something they wanted to do. It's like, like if they wanted to throw like a wacky lineup out there and just have like big wings. Like I know sometimes uh, there, there were very few points. Um, I believe that they ran Sadiq Bey, Jeremy Grant, and Sekou out there. I believe it was a few times where if Sekou was playing really well, they'd leave him in, bring Jeremy in for someone else, and just bump down Sadiq to the two. But majority of Sadiq's minutes came at the three, and I think that's where he's most comfortable. I think many Pistons fans would agree. So then not only are you moving Jeremy Grant down to the three, you're moving Sadiq down to the two, unless you're trying to say that you're then moving Sadiq down to the bench, and he's going to be Jeremy Grant's backup three. Uh, I, I think those are a lot of questions there. And then also if you take the other direction and go – Jeremy Grant starts at the four, and then you bring Evan Mobley off the bench. Um, what what does that say about Seku? Is Seku basically not in the team's plans then? Is, is he going to be, like, traded if the Pistons get Evan Mobley? Because how, how will Seku even get playing time? Now, I, I'm not saying that that should stop. Once again, this should not stop the Pistons from drafting Evan Mobley if he's the best prospect to them. I'm simply saying these are things that we need to think about and discuss. Because if, if he's going to be the backup four... It's going to be Jeremy Grant getting minutes at the four, and Evan will be at the four. You're going to have Mason Plumley and Isaiah Stewart at the center position. You got Sadiq Bay and the loads of wings that we got with Hamadou Diallo, Josh Jackson, Frank Jackson, Davidis Savitas, and whoever else they sign, which I do believe they're just going to sign another wing player. It just makes sense to have a lot of wings, I believe, in my personal opinion. I think Troy River agrees. So they'll likely have another wing on the roster. So there's going to be no minutes for Sekou there. He can't really play the two, obviously. He's not going to play the two. He's obviously not going to play point guard. So, where does Seku play? If, if the Pistons draft Mobley, does that mean Seku's basically out? They're, just, they're probably going to trade him? I, I, these are things that could happen. I know many of you may not give a damn if Seku gets traded, but once again, I'm just mentioning things that will happen, Things, these questions that will be raised if they draft Evan Mobley. I don't know. I, I'm going to keep reiterating. None of these things should stop them from drafting Evan Mobley. But I think there are a lot of questions that will be raised. Like once you get, like after the big excitement of, yes, we got Evan Mobley. Let's go, guys. The season of tanking was worth it. We got one of the best prospects. It's then going to quickly switch over to, okay, what, what's his position? What are we doing with him here? Are we moving Jeremy Grant to a position he's not as comfortable with? And then are we then also moving Sadiq Bey to a position that he's not comfortable with? And then if we also move Sadiq Bey to the two, what does that say about Josh Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, Frank Jackson? Where are we getting them minutes in? Because now he's being bumped out of his position. He's taking, Sadiq's taking the two minutes, and that's likely where Frank Jackson's going to play. So is, what about Frank Jackson? Is he not coming back then? Josh Jackson, is he being traded? Diallo, is Diallo not playing the, the, the three? Like, I, I, there's a lot of things that, that can happen if they draft Evan Mobley. I think the forward spot is probably the Pistons' most clunkiest spot right now. And, again, I, you guys are going to say, Koo, stop repeating yourself, but it's seriously that big of a point. I am not saying that any of this should stop them. You draft whoever the hell is the best guy there. But the Pistons' uh, clunkiest position is the forward position. And adding Evan Mobley is just going to make it even more clunkier and even more complicated with the Pistons' future. Me personally, if I had to just predict right now, I, I think that any person they draft in the top five will come in and start. I, I just think that's what's going to happen. 
So if they do get Evan Mobley, I'm just going to assume that he's going to start at the four. So then my prediction is probably going to be that Jimmy Grant then moves down to the three, Sadiq moves down to the two, and Killian starts at point guard, and either Isaiah Stewart, Mason Plumlee start at the five. And then after that, I mean, I, I don't know what happens. Do they sign another backup point guard uh, instead of Saban Lee? But either either way, Saban Lee or the backup point guard there. Then you got Josh Jackson or Diallo at two. Then you got Frank Jack or no, not Diallo actually, Josh Jackson or Frank Jackson there. Then you got Diallo at the three, I'd say, maybe. And then figuratively, right there, you would still have minutes for someone like Seiki, who's a project and someone you want to see if, if he's actually going to improve next season. But I, I don't think the Pistons, unless they trade one of those those wings, I, I can honestly see Dwayne Casey just saying, screw it, we're going to walk out there with four wings or four guards or a guard and three wings. Just walk out there with like Saban Lee, whoever the backup point guard is, Josh Jackson, Frank Jackson, and Hamadou Diallo, so, and at the top, either Mason Plumlee or Isaiah Stewart. So I, that that's if, and that's just if they start Evan Mobley. If they don't start Evan Mobley, then we're talking about Sekou probably not even getting close to being considered mid because then uh, Evan Mobley would take up the backup four while Jeremy Grant continues to start the four. I, I may be getting out of pocket with this, but I honestly think that if the Pistons draft Evan Mobley, it probably means the end of Sekou here. Uh, I, I think that would basically end that whole experiment with Sekou, which I would hate because I think he finally showed signs like the Pistons have stuck with him through the rough times and now once they're finally it seems to be real progress and looks like you may begin the flowers of his development you finally move him which I hate when teams do that but it, it I mean if that's what has to happen when you get Evan Mobley I mean I guess that's what has to happen it would suck but I, I honestly think that if they do get Mobley it, it I, I just don't see how Seiko would get many minutes here or if he did get minutes here like I said I think that would have to mean that one of the wings get traded so he can have minutes at either the back of four or one of the wing positions the only way that I see in the future, and this is honestly something that's going to get brought up also, even if the Pistons draft someone like Jalen Green, like what's going on with Josh Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, and Frank Jackson? Like you can't have six guards in the rotation unless they just go super small. I think there's questions that get raised about almost, I mean, shooting guard is probably their thinnest spot, uh, but either way, I think Evan Moley probably raises the most questions about the roster currently, which is fine. It'll be worth it, but I, I just feel like there's a lot of questions that will be raised. But that's all for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let me know what you guys think about any of these things we talked about today, either on Twitter, at NBA. But if you don't have a Twitter, just go ahead and leave me a review down below. And then just type in the little review box what you guys think or what, what you guys' opinions are. I always check those. It's another way for you guys to interact with me if you guys want to ask me a question or voice your opinion on something going on. So make sure you do one of those things. I love hearing from you guys. But thank you guys for listening today. I hope you guys enjoy your day. Have fun watching these NBA playoffs. It's really heating up. I'm, I'm enjoying it. This clippers Mavs series is heating up. Uh, the, the, the Knicks and Hawks thing, the, the Hawks are destroying them. But I love seeing D-Rose get back up and, and play really good in the playoffs. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the playoffs. Also, the Lakers-Suns tied 2-2. Do the Suns win? I don't know. Do, do they win it? Do they pull it off? I don't know, man. But I know these playoffs are really interesting. So, I know you guys are Pistons fans if you're listening to this. But still... Make sure you guys let yourselves have some fun in your lives. Have some have some enjoyment watching basketball and watch these NBA playoffs. It's really fun. But until the next podcast on Tuesday, I'll see you guys then. Peace out, everybody. Have a great day.